I'm Daniel Wordsworth. I've led humanitarian relief efforts in just about every disaster, natural and man-made, for the last 30 years. Smuggled into North Afghanistan in a helicopter after 9-11, made the overland route to Kyiv in the early days of the Ukraine invasion, and I led an emergency team into Sri Lanka after the East Asia tsunami. Across all continents, I've seen the worst of humanity. Terrible tragedy in places like Darfur, Congo, and Somalia. Horrors even worse than you can imagine. I've been in wars, famines, and epidemics. But here's the thing. Having experienced and seen all of this, I believe the world is abundant. As humans, we can make a difference. And I know, not believe, I know that humans are good. The way you see the world is how the world will show up for you. And in this podcast, I'll explain why. We'll talk to leaders, people making a difference, and we'll discuss the issues that impact us as they happen. Welcome to Finding Good, the podcast where we hope to inspire optimism through the collected stories of reluctant optimist Daniel Wordsworth. How are you, Daniel? I'm good. Good. Of course, you can go to the website, danielwordsworth.com, if you want to shoot an email um, to Daniel, anything you'd like to ask him at all. If you've been listening to the show, you'd know he's got a a wealth of knowledge and and a lot of stories and would love to answer your questions. And also, you can follow him on the socials. They're on all the socials, Finding Good with Daniel Wordsworth or just Daniel Wordsworth. Now, today. Today. Right, so today I'm going to talk about what a group of Catholic nuns have in common with a group of gangs in Latin America. That's what we're going to be covering. <laughs> so, when you when you mean gangs, the yeah. criminal gangs? No, I mean like the true bad guys, the the criminal gangs of Latin America. Okay. You know what they have. If you remember back in that first episode, I told this amazing story about this Catholic nun that came to see me and said, "There's this amazing army of do good." Do, of do-gooders around the world, 700,000, yeah. and I said, we want to help you, and then we, and uh, that's what got this started. And yeah. I think actually I gave a little teaser. I said, do you realise there's a group of nuns that have gang colours? So today we're going to talk about those nuns. Right, they, they themselves have gang colours. Yeah, kind of, but I'm going to have to, like, tell you the story about it. They would call it something else, but I'm telling you it's gang colours. Okay. Latin America, you're going to give me a geography lesson here. What countries mm-hmm. particularly are we talking about? Well, you know, Latin America is that is that sort of strip that you have between the U.S. and South America. So the countries that we're talking about mostly today are El Salvador, Honduras, Guatemala. But it kind of touches on Mexico, which is also part of Latin America. Okay. And is I didn't realise gang issues were a big problem in those So gang countries. issues are the problem of that particular region. Yep. And it's a, it's a problem that's actually overwhelming most of those countries in that region. And it has a really sort of dark story that goes with it. Uh, and actually, this is when I first met Sister Irene. We met around the time of the big migrant caravans that you were hearing about on the news. Remember, mm-hmm. there was that sort of migrant caravan that came up through Latin America and yeah. it came right to the border of Mexico and became a huge sort of political issue in the US. It was right at that time, actually, when um, Sister Irene came to see me. And so uh, and we wanted to start working in um, that region. Why? That migration that you see there is being driven by gang violence. It's been driven by gang violence. And most of those people that you see in those migrant caravans are coming from either El Salvador, Guatemala or Honduras. They're coming out of those countries. They're coming out of those countries. Because of the gang problem. Right, exactly. And, And what happened there, and I think this would be a surprise to most people, is over the last 20 years, the U.S. has pursued a policy Hmm. 
of returning incarcerated gang members from Los Angeles. So, you, you know, in the US, the sort of capital of gang violence is LA. Yeah. And what the US did is start, you know, pushing back incarcerated prisoners. So if you're a Latino, you're from El Salvador, Guatemala or Honduras, you're part of a gang in Los Angeles, you're in a prison. What the US started doing over the last 20 years is returning thousands of those gang members every year back to these countries. Right. So what they did is they caused a sort of an explosion of gang violence. So these guys were coming back into prisons in a place like El Salvador. But then they were starting gangs and amplifying gangs in those places. And these things have just risen because there are thousands of people coming back every year. It's sort of this gang violence has risen up to become the central issue affecting Latin America. And it's driving this migration because people are fleeing the violence. So when you're talking about nuns in this area who right. are who are they helping? Are they there to help the gangs or are they there to help no, the people that are fleeing? Certainly they're not helping. But, but obviously if you're in a gang, you've, you've, right. got some, you've got some cultural and social issues going on for yourself. Yeah, but you, you kind of disqualified yourself when you joined the gang, okay. right? So, But what's happening is they're located in communities and they're, they're sort of sitting and embedded in communities and the ripple effect of this violence and this crime is affecting that entire community. So it may be um, in threats to people's lives, it may be blackmail, kidnapping, um, it's just daily violence that is occurring on these streets. Okay. And so uh, what we're talking about here and what we're going to be talking about today is what do you do in the face of that violence and is there anything that you can do? Okay. Now, you mentioned Sister Irene, who, who mm. we talked about in the first the first podcast, and we're going to talk to her in a second. But there are how many? Th 700,000 nuns? Yeah, so if you remember the story, Sister Irene came to see me one day and she came in with the PowerPoint and yeah. she was sort of had this great long PowerPoint she was going to do and she opened up the PowerPoint and she said, do you realise there are sort of 700,000 nuns around the world embedded in some of the world's poorest communities and they want to do good but they need some help to do it? And uh, I said, you can stop the presentation, we're on board with you, we want to help. Right? So that's that <laughs> the sort of moment that I met Sister Irene. Yeah. Now then the next question is, okay, so what should we do? And uh, the sister, actually, I think I can hear her laughing. The sister's listening in. We're going to bring the other sister in in a moment. But I said, well, what can we do? And then she said, well, there is actually a group of sisters right now that are working on this gang violence in El Salvador. And we could actually start by helping them. And so we said, that would be awesome. And so um, I went down there with Sister Irene. And our goal was to help these sisters do something to address the gang violence or the impact of the gang violence on families in those countries. Okay. Now, I want you to sort of picture something. When we got to El Salvador, it, it's a little bit like this. This is the way I think to picture it. There's this violence in Latin America that's driving this movement of people that's sitting on the border that we see in this news. So then you ask the question, well, what's, what's ground zero of this, mm -hmm. right? What's the, the country most driving this? And the answer is El Salvador. Now, then when you get to El Salvador and you say, is there a part of El Salvador that's like ground zero of the sort of gang violence in um, El Salvador? Mm -hmm. Then the is yes, it's San Salvador, the capital city. So then you go there and you ask the question, is there a place, is, where's ground zero of all of this? <laughs> you like to seem to find the yeah, worst possible we, yeah, place you can to, get Yeah, to we're right? trying to find that, right? So we go, where's the ground zero of violence in San... Everybody, it's a place called Apopa. Mm. Yep. Um, A-P-O-P-O, -O, Apopa. And then we ask the question, is there in Apopa, like the worst neighbourhood in San Salvador, worst place in Elsa, is there the worst? Yes. There's actually an intersection that's the worst. 
There's a set of corners. It's an intersection. <laughs> it comes down to it's, a street it corner. It comes down to really specific. Really? That's great. They go, yes, because that's where the three biggest gangs have to meet. Because, like, the gangs have got to, like, hit each other at some point. Yeah. And they meet at this intersection in this place called the Popa. So, it's so like Latin America West Side it's Story. A, it's it's a little bit like that, yeah, where the Jets meet the, who's the other one? Um, Whatever, yeah. yeah. It's that like that, but they're three. But, but Quentin Tarantino. And so Sister Irene is like, um, so these three gang, this is on this street corner, but here's the good news. Because the question then is, who's on the other corner? Right, if you imagine this intersection and there are gangs on three corners, well, there's one corner left, Yeah. right? So who's, who, by the way, who would be crazy enough? Yeah. To be on this other corner. <laughs> yep. And so we went out there to find her. She said, I'm going to take you out there. And I'm going to show you who's on that corner. Right? Because she tells me this, you know, there are 700,000 nuns. They're these amazing people. They're in these sort of poorest places on earth. They want to do good. And then I'm like, well, okay, so show me. Let's go. And so she's like, I'm going to like hold my beer. Right? I'm going to show you. Yeah. Yep. So we go to the place like this, the craziest intersection in the world. Yep. <laughs> and we go there. And guess who is on the other corner? Uh, it's these three nuns. Right. Right, and these three <laughs> nuns are running this youth centre. It's And it's literally on the corner. I'm not talking about two or three houses back. I'm talking about they're the one that's on the other corner, right at this intersection of all of this. There are these Catholic nuns that are reaching out to those communities and doing good. Wow, that's amazing. Um, then perhaps we should talk to one of them now. Right, so we're gonna, I'm going to bring in um, Sister Irene. I, I, I do want to – I'm just going to recap one other bit because I want to hear her reaction. So, Sister, I'm going to lead in with this when you come in. But it's this idea of gang colours, mm. right? So you, you say, what am, where am I going with that? So what happened is when we sat with these sisters and we're like, how on earth do you function here? Right? This is one of the most violent – and maybe at the time, like – Top ten, top five, maybe most violent places on earth. Mm. How do you, um, how do you work here? And how do the kids get to you, right? If if all these gangs are in all these neighbourhoods and the kids are coming, because what the sisters do there is they run computer classes, they run remedial education classes. Actually, they teach break dancing. I think at one stage they had a harp actually, <laughs> and they were teaching kids how to play the harp. Honestly, so every day they've got all these kids coming through. I got to see the break dancers. We got to see the computer labs. So they're running all of this, and then we, and there, all these kids are there. So when you go there, there are all these kids in this centre, and you have to ask the question, well. How do they get here? Like, aren't they accosted on the way? Isn't it like how do they? And and what we discovered was that if they wear this t-shirt, so the sisters had this t-shirt, it's like a light green color and has a butterfly on it. And we discovered that if they wear this t-shirt, the gangs let them through because they know they're going to see the sisters. Mm -hmm. And what you realize then is that a lot of the people that are the gang, because the gangs are many of them are young, right? 16, 17, 18 years old. Many of them went and, and know the sisters and were actually helped at some point in their life by the sisters. So they have a lot of fondness for them and they're like a protected group mm -hmm. in these communities. And if you get the, if you wear the T-shirt, you also get protected. And so we then asked this question of them. We said, so if the kids are wearing the T-shirt, they get a free pass through these neighborhoods, yes. So you have a version of a gang color. And the answer is yes, right? <laughs> and then we said, well... Can you give those colors to something else, right? Because that's how the colors work. It's like claiming territory. Yeah. And we said, could we use these colors to claim territory and make it the sisters' territory and therefore it's safe? And so we did this work with the sisters and with the community and what we discovered is that you can, that if we could make these colors 
like um, clearly the nun's colours, if we painted other things with these colours. So like you, like street poles so and like, borders So and we walls. could do that. So what we started doing was we started painting the basketball court and the soccer uh, area and then we painted schools. Right. And we, we painted them with these colours that are the nun's colours and each time we would paint this, they would become safe zones. And right. so you have suddenly had the ability to, like one of the stories, they were on a soccer field and we painted the nun's colours and, they, and it was protected. But the gang said, okay, but we still want to be able to use this. And so the sisters negotiated with them. The gangs use it for a few hours a day. The kids <laughs> use it for the rest, right? <laughs> but but it, was, it was an amazing insight, was this insight that the colours could be marked as sister territory and therefore it creates a widening safe space yeah. in this incredibly dangerous place where kids can function and have a normal life. And actually it's called the colour movement. Mm -hmm. Yep, And it's a set of sort of sister gang colours. And if you go, it's on Instagram, and actually we'll put it on here after this, you can go to the Instagram and you can see the basketball courts, the soccer things, the schools that are painted in this, the colour movement colours. And uh, before we bring in Sister Irene, we then asked, when we went to the community and we said, because the light green, we wanted to give them a bit more, you know, we needed to have sort of more vibrant colours because we we're going to paint all these things. And so we asked everybody, when you think of the sisters, this is the kids in the community, families yeah. in the community, we said, what, what do you think of when you think of the sisters? And they said, we think of joy. And so the, the whole idea of the colour movement was to say, let's make this as joyous as we possibly can. So it's a splash of all these different colours. So the symbol of the nuns is a symbol of joy, actually. So I'm going to bring in now one of the most joyous people I know, <laughs> Sister Irene, you're the, the, the legend. And actually she's sitting right now in El Salvador. <laughs> hey, Sister. <laughs> Hi. Hi, Daniel. Nice so to, good see to see you. you. <laughs> Wish you were here. Yeah, I'd love to be there. <laughs> How did I go telling that story? Was that okay? Oh, it was, it was ex right on, right on. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. It just brought uh, so many memories back. And to be here, why, we're doing, why you're telling it now has been amazing, too, because the work has just expanded. It's just been unbelievable. They actually had a festival in that area where the three gangs come together in front of the youth center, and they blocked off the streets. And people came and filled the streets. I mean, that was just unheard of a while back. Mm. They couldn't even cross, you know, they couldn't cross from one street to the other before. And now um, they've been building trust. So, and spreading the joy, of course. <laughs> right. So you're saying what they've done now is right on that intersection that we're talking about where kids couldn't even cross streets because they're, they're from different gang territories. There's now a festival that's going on in that neighborhood and right at that sort of ground zero place? Right at ground zero, they had a festival. They blocked off the streets. They thought they would have maybe a couple hundred people come. In the end, they figured it was probably close to a thousand people wow. filled the streets and filled the youth center and filled the background. <laughs> and so there's been a lot of growth and improvement and you know, the global shapers have been here and they've been putting in computer labs. And what's neat is that they come in before they weren't allowed. Do you remember? You couldn't even get a different driver inside. I love this, sister. So I don't know why I don't talk to you every month and get all of these stories. Um, <laughs> so, because you, you mentioned the global shapers, right? So, the global shapers is a group of young people in their like young professionals, like right. in their 20s, yes. like architects and lawyers. 
And um, when we first started working there, the, the point that Sister's making is even the drivers were nervous to take us to this. this going to this neighbourhood, no, no one goes there. Yeah. Yep. No El Salvadorians certainly don't go there. Yep. All blood runs from face, right, of the drivers. <laughs> Most will not do it. Um, we can only go there because of the sisters, yep. And these global shapers, these are these young El Salvadorians, they're dynamic, they're amazing, they wanted to help, but they were like, we can't go to a pope, this is crazy. But because of the gang colours, right, the sisters can give them um, the ability to go in, and they all rushed in. Again, this is the yep. beauty of this. It's not like there weren't people in El Salvador that wanted to do something about this. There were, there were lots of people that wanted to do something about this. They just needed a way to get in, and the sisters gave that. And what the sisters, the sisters do would do would take them, they would walk them through the neighborhoods to show them the neighborhoods, but really to show the people, these are our people, you know. So they were introducing uh, the global shapers as they did to us when we walked through the neighborhood. They, they were just showing to everybody they belong to us. This is right. <laughs> this is part of the God squad here. So good. the global shapers, because they have different expertise, there was one who belonged to the Museum of Art in San Salvador. And none of the children, of course, had ever been there. And they took three busloads what, from each of the three gangs. And they, they took them out one gang at a time and brought them to the museum where they could become friends with each other. And then they had art lessons for like six months <laughs> every Saturday. So things like that were happening. It was phenomenal, really. I just can't phenomenal. stop grinning. When you go to these communities, do you ever feel unsafe? And what drives a person like you to go and do this? Oh, it's where the need is. It's like, I suppose, like a firefighter goes to a fire. It's where the need is. And I feel love pulled out of me. And it's it's just, you know, it, it, the, everyone you meet uh, needs a hug. <laughs> kind of like, the, it's almost like that. So it, I feel pulled here. And so do the sisters. And, and it's because the sisters see the, the gangs as individuals, they know their name, they know their parents, they know when they're not feeling well, they know when they, if they had a good day at school, they know that they're a person. And so they re, they come to you as a person with needs and, you know, and their lives are so complicated and they feel the joy when they, they feel free. And when you feel free, you feel joy. Mm. So that's why they, and they come and come and come to that youth center. And now they're giving away as well. They're giving, like during COVID, the gang members were giving packets of food to the hungry within a popa. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's, it's changing. The hearts are changing, you know, when they're comforted. And I don't know, I, I, just, I just find it's a place where, where love is so needed. So What don't we know about nuns? <laughs> I think people don't realize that we're kind of social justice warriors. <laughs> you know, we're such a, a quiet force. People have this image of, of nuns kind of walking silently and praying, which is wonderful. But our prayer, our real prayer is in our action. And we're, I would say that and maybe people know that sisters are fearless pretty much. I mean, because we see everyone as equals. We're all, e we're all equal with different expertise. And so if we need to go to a CEO or the president of something or head of the board or whatever, it's just like, well, let's have a sit down and have a chat and talk. You know, I think that they're strong, gutsy women, but we are, like I said, I'm like, as a sister, I am pulled to a popa. And so I'm almost following this um, knowing 
that I need to be there. And I'm free to do that. I don't have to take care of a home and children uh, and figure out all kinds of complicating schedules. I can just come, you know, so so that the freedom that we have to respond is pure gift and joy for us, too. So and I don't think people know that there are 700,000 of us. You know, I always say if you put your hands out to your sides, you probably touch a nun, you know, as you're going through <laughs> life and daily work and you don't know it, you know. Yeah. <laughs> We're sneaky that way. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. We're sneaky that way. <laughs> yeah, you, you, uh, what blew my mind? I think some of us, we have this view of them. We, we have this thing from like, um, What's that show, Sister Act? And we have, yeah. <laughs> you know, we have that they're cloistered and that they're wearing all these black and white. And sometimes, sorry to say this, sister, sometimes in Australia, people think of nuns as being very strict and like, you know, banging people. On the, mm. So when I say something like the symbol of the nuns is joy, there'd be people listening to this that would just be going, really? Yeah, it's joy? a cane over the back of the yeah, hands at school. I think <laughs> that's the view we'd have here. It's so not true and i think the other thing that people would think is that somehow there's this massive vatican that's behind all of them and funding all of this stuff that's also not true yep. yeah you can speak to this sister irene but one of the things that like in those first days right so when we're sitting on that intersection and uh we had one of our team down there annie who um both sister irene and i love annie was down there working with the sister and the sisters there we were sort of asking them about what would they do if, if they could get support, what would they do? And, and, you know, trying to spark people's dreams. And then at one point, uh, Annie got worried and she thought, um, I think I'm over-promising, right? And so she said, actually, I need to slow the conversation down. Sisters, it's probably, you know, we don't have as much as you might think. And we're only just starting and, you know, not everybody... There's not a lot of belief for this part of the world, right? Because at that time, all in the news was like violence and gangs and and a lot of people didn't... It was really sort of in the souls of Americans that there was sort of this marauding... It was all really sort of bad, bleak. And we thought, how are we going to get people on board with this? And so Annie was getting worried. And so she said, look, I've got to set your expectations. There's only a certain amount we can do with you in the beginning. And hopefully over time it will pick up momentum, which it has, right, mm. which is amazing. This is the way it works, by the way, right? <laughs> you, you just got to get started and it, momentum builds. It's beautiful. And those sisters were like, oh, well, how, much, like, how can you help us? And, and uh, Annie said, well, we have this thing where anyone that wants to do good in the face of the impossible we give $500 a day. And if you can think of something good that you can do, then we'll give you $500 to do it. Mm. So she said, I'm allowed to spend $500 a day because I want to try to do something good. What happened was um, she said, so I'm going to give you $500 a day for a month to get things started. And these three nuns faint, right? <laughs> Collapse. You know, faint. <laughs> And, and Annie's like, I knew it. We're blowing it, right? I've come down here and all I'm going to do is give them $500 a day. And so she, you know, wafts her share over their faces and they come up and she, they, she's like, I'm so sorry. And what are you sorry about? And they said, we do all of this right now. How much was a sister? I mean, was it like $5 a day they had or something, right? Yeah. $5 a day. And she said, you're going to do $500 a day. Your time's just by 100 we can't imagine. Do you know how much good we can do with that? <laughs> and that $500 a day is what has sparked all of this uh, to this point. Sister, did you want to add anything to that? 
Oh my gosh, I know what the shock value is because in their minds, you know, they think about all the kids and the families that they're dealing with and the expertise that could awaken in these people if they were given opportunities to do stuff. And so to have that come alive, I mean, it just blows my mind even right now thinking about it because it is just, it is, it changes the whole future of the planet because it changes the the families and the kids and you know that they're going to be safer, that they're going to be able to become who they are meant to be. I mean, it just, it's overwhelming, even if it's one person, but they were able to change so many lives with $500 a day. It was, and if you were here today with us to see what is going on in Apopa and La Chaka, you'd just you would have such hope for the planet. It's just unbelievable. <laughs> and it really doesn't take a lot. It just takes knowing the right cause, where to put that $500, you know. I mean, it's and oof, it's just flourishing here. Sister Irene, can I ask you a question about the big PowerPoint presentation that Daniel mentioned on the, in the first podcast that you came to talk to him about for your organization, Sisters Rising? Whatever came from that? Oh, yes. Thank you for that question. Well, Sisters Rising is just a couple years old as well, because we realized that that the 700,000 sisters around the world were all siloed in their different congregations. And so the communicate, the sharing of the knowledge was almost impossible to to go. And also to uh, for sisters to be able to ask for resources that would help them solve the root cause of the poverty. Okay. So we, we started just a few years ago, and we've already given away, I think, over a million dollars. It's just people uh, have been wanting to find the sisters because they trust our work and they know that the money will get there. So in the last couple of years, we have funded, oh, probably, I think, 39, 40 different countries. And within the countries, oh, just little example, one little example is uh, Nigeria. And Nigeria had uh, the farmers were being killed by a group of marauders that were going by and the women and the children were running to the cities and the sisters were gathering them up and pretty soon there was a food shortage and they didn't know what to do and so we helped them we sent them some links on on vertical gardening because they have they have walls everywhere and so they taught the youth they built these contraptions it was fifteen thousand dollars only and they built like 30 contraptions up the walls for vertical gardening and they they had enough food to sell <laughs> and the youth were growing it and then shortly after that a sister from Venezuela they were hungry and their community was the people were hungry and they were trying to figure, ask for food and we connected them to Nigeria to teach so they could start cross fertilizing and teaching each other different things but we've been funding, you know, sisters teaching organic farming in, a, in the Philippines. And we have, uh, there's a recycling center now in Mexico as the migrants are coming through and not getting through to the United States. So they're giving them jobs mid-Mexico, <laughs> teaching them recycling. And so, and all of these things are, are like, I think the most we've done is like $25,000 and it's changed the community. So because the sisters know exactly where that funding should go. So it's just been exploding. It's been so exciting. We've been partnering um, with, there's a group now called um, Watts of Love, and they make solar lights that have three intensities. You can read by it, or you can light a room, or you can do surgery. 
And they were trying to get them distributed around the world, but they every time they went someplace, they found nuns, and the nuns knew how to point it out, you know, get it into the villages that needed it. And so we're working with them now in, in Malawi, and we're, I mean, I could go on and on. It, it's just been so exciting, and the sisters are just so grateful that they have a place that they can apply for help that would really change the trajectory of their work because they could get at the root cause of, of the poverty and then really work on flourishing. So check our website out, srw.org. We'll put those links up, Sister Irene, so folks can see it. Just, I mean, we're getting toward the end here. You know, you can just tell us again, what's at the heart of what the sisters try to do in these communities? The heart of the sisters is the heart. <laughs> The heart really is that um, that people count. Everybody counts, no matter what their race, color, lifestyle, religion doesn't matter. But that everybody counts, and um, they all, all of us, want to become who we are meant to be. And um, so many people get stuck. You know, it's just accidentally born <laughs> in a place that's needs resources and there's enough resources on the planet to just, it just needs to be distributed differently. But it is all because everybody counts. Everybody counts. We love, we love the neighbor as we love God. Same thing. How do you unwind? What do you do in these sort of settings? You know, what's, what's something fun that you do? Well, let's see. I like to rollerblade <laughs> in the, when, it's, <laughs> when it's nice. <laughs> I love kayaking. I love to read. Good. Um, we have a couple of dogs because we were told that they would keep us from being thievery from our house. I love walking the dogs. I love meeting other people at dog parks. I love I love dog people. <laughs> and I and we laugh a lot, if you can imagine. Yeah. I mean so. Love it, sister. I'm imagining you rollerblading on the streets of <laughs> Minneapolis and where and actually what I had in my mind was Los Angeles, but still, I love all of that. I, I was just going to close with one, just on this idea that sister put out that everybody counts. I was on another trip because, you know, we did this work, first of all, in El Salvador, and then everything was happening on the border, right? That was when um, the caravan was there. The U.S. president at the time was sending this sort of army to the border, and it was all crazy. Mm. Yeah, and if you remember in particular, there's one caravan that was very famous, and it had about five thousand people in it, and it moved all the way up through Latin America, and it ended up in a soccer stadium in the city of Tijuana. Sister Irene and I wanted to go there, yeah, and visit, and I so I asked her. We wanted to do something with. We said, "Is there anything we can do for the caravan?" So I thought, "Who would be there?" And so we called Sister Irene. And I remember, sister, I called you up and I said, are there any sisters there? And she said, read my lips. Everywhere, anywhere in the world you want to go, there is a sister there. So the answer is always yes to that. Yep. And there are sisters in Tijuana. And yes, they can take us into the stadium. And they're working with those very people. It turns out this is really all true, right? Remember the bronze medal idea. You're never the only person working on a thing. At best, you're part of a large army of people trying to do good. Yep. So we went there. And I went to that stadium uh, with the sister. And I met right at the end. We were talking with different people that were there that had made this journey. And I met these two young guys. I think they were from Guatemala, but maybe Honduras. I don't know why I can't remember this. But they were from 
they were part of the caravan and they were from this country. And there were guys in their sort of late 20s. And we, I was asking them, you know, what's it like? And why did you make the journey? And all of it. So we're doing like interviews with them. And then at the end, I said, is there any question you have for us? And one of these young guys said, yeah, I have a question. And he said, is it true that the president of America has sent an army to the border to stop us? And I said, well, strictly speaking, that army wasn't, you know, in Tijuana. It was on another part of the border of Mexico. I said, I said strictly speaking, they're not really here in Tijuana. But I said, but you're right. An army has been sent down to stop you. And he just had this look on his face. He just paused and then he looked at us and he said, um, you know, we are just little people. We are only trying to find a small piece of earth to make a life on. And he, he just couldn't understand why that made him a problem. Yep. And why you would need to array an army in the face of this. Hmm. And as I heard this, it struck me. I just thought, Surely the most basic human right is the right to have a small piece of earth that you can make your life on. Mm. Surely that's the most basic thing. And I think the sister's getting at that when you say everybody counts. We say, what does that mean? And it means that we all get a few square meters. Yep. We get a few square meters to maybe make a family, to have a job, to do something of meaning, to give to our community, to be part of something bigger than ourselves. Surely that's the least that we can all ask for. And so if you would, I think if my sister would join with me on this, this is all that we're talking about here is a quest and a journey to make that real for people. Yeah. So thanks, sister. I don't know if you had anything you wanted to say in closing. Yeah. No, thank you. Thank you for everything you do too, Daniel. It's, it's a great, it takes all of us. So it's just been a joy working with you over, over the years too. The joy is all mine. She, uh, sister Irene was actually one of help me get my work here. So thanks, sister. Thank you. You're the best. Thank okay. you, sister. Bye. Wow. I've got a whole new understanding of <laughs> of, of sisters and yeah, nuns around right. the world now. Yeah. Because as you as you mentioned, my first interaction with with a nun of Catholic family was they were the, the angry nuns at school that hit you on the back of the hands or it's Sally Field, the flying nun, or it's the the, you know, the black and white habits and yeah. walking around together and not speaking. And, you know, she's rollerblading. Yeah. And, <laughs> and standing on a street corner in, in San Salvador. Yeah. It's it's just incredible. And the work that, that, that she mentioned that um, Sisters Rising is doing – uh, and that website, by the way, was globalsistersreport.org. If you just Google Sisters Rising yeah, and people can find it. Well, yes, but there's a couple of also some odd films called Sisters Rising that okay. that may come up, which which are Hollywood films, but but it's not what you're looking for. I, just, also, so I, did, also I stick, did that. You could also put in Sister Irene, Sisters Rising. Sure. Yeah. You can find it. We'll put all the links up and everything else. You can see it. But it's um, yeah. it, you know they're using they're using technology to overcome the right. challenges of of geography and language to effectively share ideas and strategies to solve the causes of injustice throughout the world. That's what nuns are doing. Yeah, so yeah. she said we're social justice warriors. Yeah, yeah, and because of the the nature of their promise and their dedication. They're single-minded on that. That's all they need to worry about. No, they're amazing. Yeah. And there's 700,000 of these. Yep. 
And so you can see what she's doing. Uh, you can go to the Instagram for um, it's sort of like underscore the color movement. Uh, you can see that. You can actually see the gang colors that are playing out there. And uh, this thing is expanding, so we'd mm. encourage people to be part of it. Beautiful. Hey, thanks for bringing Sister Irene to the show today. Yeah. What a great guest. Um, this has been Finding Good. And don't forget, you can ask Daniel a question anytime via the website, danielwordsworth.com. Follow him on the socials. And make sure you subscribe and follow in uh, Apple Podcasts and Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, and we'll talk to you again on the next show. Thank you.